Hey there, back with another episode on Ye Oldie Planet LP. This is episode 58 of the podcast that drops the needle on the world of albums. I'm Ted Asfurgadu, and in this episode, it's about a whole lot of new, as in new music, as in the Pop Dose New Music Report with Keith Creighton. He's back with more recommendations for you to spice up your record collection. Connecting with Planet LP is pretty darn easy if you're a band, artist, or music author looking to chitty-chatty about your projects. Email me at ted at planetlp.com. Social channels on the usual ones, at the Planet LP. That's on Twitter and Instagram. Planet LP on Facebook. If you're a fan of this podcast, spread the word to your friends, family, or coworkers to give Planet LP a listen. We're on the most popular podcasting apps. Or if you don't bother with apps at all, you can listen to episodes on planetlp.com. And that concludes the business part of the agenda, ladies and gentlemen. Time to dive into some new music recommendations. Hey there, Keith, and welcome back. Always good to be here. Oh my God, another month has flown by and so much new music. It's ridiculous. (laughs) It is. And it's always great to have you on because without your monthly visits to Planet LP, how would I find out about a lot of cool music? I'm sure many of our Planet LP listeners feel the same or similar. For those who aren't regular listeners to the podcast, each month, Pop Dose writer Keith Creighton, who you just heard, comes to Planet LP with a new music report to recommend CDs, yes, compact discs, that you ought to check out. If you have a streaming service, you can check these recommendations out there first, but then go buy the discs or vinyl or cassette to add to your physical music record collection. Why rent when you can own? That's my view of it, right? Yeah, I kind of wonder if I'm a dying breed, you know, mm-hmm. because like the, especially more and more albums are coming out on digital first and mm-hmm. then including some of them we're going to talk about today had huge gaps between when they dropped on streaming services and when the physicals actually come out. And I'm like, yeah. okay, maybe I'm the last person in the party, but okay, I'd rather stay here and party with physical albums that I can actually connect with versus just stream it and then forget about it because you move on to the next thing. So Exactly. Something about having a physical product, if you will, or just a, a physical uh, manifestation of music, CD, vinyl, whatever. To me, it, it's a, it's like a commitment, right? You, you're pulling yeah. it off the shelf. You're putting it into the player. You're, you're sitting down and you say, because I want to listen to that versus just sort of scrolling around on whatever music platform or music service you use for streaming. I use Apple. I have YouTube music. I have a Spotify account. I don't know why I have three streaming services, but I, I do. I, I do too. I have Amazon yeah. Music yeah. and Tidal. And the thing is, it is good for discovery. Mm-hmm. And it is good when you are just kind of cruising. We just plug the phone in. My daughter loves to DJ and mm-hmm. all of her stuff is on streaming and I don't have to buy it, which is great. And so I'm totally a fan of streaming, but also I love the fact that an artist poured their heart and soul into creating a work of art for you. Why not meet them halfway, make a financial commitment and welcome that into your home? Because then it's also a great way to go back and find things you forgot you owned and rediscover it all over again. Absolutely agree. That actually dovetails into my first pick. And I found out about it from streaming on Apple Music. Her name is Madison Cunningham. She has a new album out called Revealer. 
I didn't know anything about Madison Cunningham when I first heard this album, but I instantly liked her guitar playing, which to me uses somewhat dissonant but melodic picking that has a jazz quality to it. There's a kind of fusion of coffeehouse indie folk, jazz, and the Beatles, and maybe more than a dash of Joni Mitchell in there. So I really enjoyed this record. I started streaming it at work, and I kept coming back to it. And there's a lot of intricacy to this whole record. And for a performer who is 26 or 27 years old, she really sounds very confident and mature on her third album. Her past efforts have been nominated for Grammys, and it's not hard to see why. So this SoCal gal is a very talented singer-songwriter who has a very good production team that give her songs a kind of future past sound. Let me play you a clip off of her current album, Revealer. This is the first track. ever known revealer madison cunningham so check that one out streaming first and i did buy the cd which arrived in my mailbox yesterday so i've been playing the actual cd because sometimes for me i like to listen to it in cars because i have better speakers there and i can kind of turn it up more and then at home as well because i have pretty good speakers at home but i like to get the cds because i like the fuller sound and uh, this one definitely has some nice production to it so check that one okay. out i have a question for you have mm-hmm. you seen the movie Coraline? no i have not oh my god watch the movie Coraline. it's on mm-hmm. one of the streamers it's one of those kind of like stop motion kind of look at tim burton feel um, oh okay uh-huh. movie I wonder if she did the music for that because that's hmm. when you played me that track. I'm like, oh my God, it sounds like Coraline, which is this, this fantastical soundtrack. It, to me, it's one of the best children's movies ever made. I mean, a little dark, a little scary, very, you know, if you like Tim Burton, mm-hmm. and I forget, like, the people behind it have got a bunch of other major movies out like that. But yeah, check out Coraline because, oh my God, it sounds like the lost soundtrack from that movie. Huh. Okay. Well, I will then. Um, I just find her music. I like that. I like that kind of guitar picking. It really stands out to me. It's entrancing. It's otherworldly, you know, kind of way. It reminded me a little bit of kind of side B on the Kate Bush Hounds of Love record. You know, like it just like otherworldly and it kind of like, you know, takes all kinds of textures. So, and you say the whole album revealer holds up. It does. It really okay. does. I, I found, I like I said, I, I had it on sort of, not quite repeat, but I kept coming back to it at work. And I thought, this is really good. And it, when an album starts to grow on you, you know, you reach that sort of that meridian that you cross that meridian and you go, I like this. I'm, I'm going to make yeah. the commitment and buy it. I don't feel like it's a, an impulse buy. I just gave it a really good, lived with it for some time. And then I, I realized, no, I want to own this. So. Okay, cool. Yes, I trust your, and this is the perfect segue into the one first one I want to talk about because okay. I trust your opinion so much. Like I trusted you on the Banana Rama 
record, the yeah. last one. And it's amazing. In addition to you, I do love when NME magazine over in England, you know, mm -hmm. really hypes something, you know, because when they really put the guns behind it, I'm like, okay, this has got to be good. And it paid off earlier this year with Luna Lee, who we've mm, talked about yeah, a lot. Yeah, you know, they got good. behind her. I bought that site unseen or even unheard just because, okay, if they like it that much, I want to experience it fresh. So I bought the CD, came, changed my life. It was amazing. So then earlier this week, Enemy really got behind this band called Jockstrap. And it's like a duo. And they said mm -hmm. it was the most important record ever. And I was like, <laughs> I had my finger on the trigger to buy this thing. Yeah. And then somebody in my Facebook group, the Compact Disc Collectors Cave, posted a photo of what the CD looks like when you buy it at retail. And it's literally just a flimsy, clear, flat plastic baggie with a sticker on it and an insert that just has the word jockstrap bare minimalist there's no liner notes no album credits it's just literally a white car they stuck into the cd kind of what you would get with a promo yeah that's or, what i was gonna say it, it reminds me of promo discs yeah or where they stick the cd on the cover of like uh you know a, ma a british magazine they have those like monthly cds that come mm -hmm, out mm -hmm. so the thing is the anti-packaging threw me for a loop so i decided okay before i buy it i'm gonna check it out and it was just completely unlistenable like <laughs> i was so pretentious there's no melody like it was just too cool for itself and so yeah. then when later in the week they called Hold the Girl by Rina, and I'll try not to slaughter the name, Sabayama. Uh -huh. So they said her second album, Hold the Girl, they called the pop album of the year. That sounds really good. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of hype behind it. And so I'm like, I'm going to check it out first. So thankfully, I had Amazon <laughs> Music. Yeah. Pulled it up, listened to it, and I was just like within three songs going, wow, 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 wow. It's amazing. She sounds very much like Lady Gaga. Very, so much yeah. so she actually appeared on the last Lady Gaga record, Chromatica. Oh, okay. She's also on the last Charlie XCX record, which is amazing. And so she's Japanese, born and raised. Kind of moving into we've on many of our podcasts this year, we've talked about the dualities of mm -hmm. especially people of Asian or kind of Latino descent mixing with other cultures and putting out some of the best records this year. And so she kind of fits into that, but this is very, very polished, you know, where other stuff like Haley Kiyoko or Biba Doobie is kind of more like the one with Madison. We just talked about has mm -hmm. some more mm -hmm. etherealness or some more texture to it and some grit. This is a very polished pop record, but it delivers exactly what you want. Amazing, amazing song. She can sing. She's going to be starring in the new John Wick four movie. She models. Like, so she's like the whole nine yards. So Rina Sabayama, Hold the Girl, just came out on CD. I listened to four tracks off the record, and you are right. It does sound like a Lady Gaga record. So if you like Lady Gaga, you might want to check her out, definitely. But that Jockstrap album, I'm with you on it. I turned it off after three tracks. I was just like, this, oh, come on. This is, yeah. this is great. And I don't want to, I don't want to like dunk on people's artistic expressions because that's what art's about, right? You express yeah. what you're feeling. But if NME is going to say, you know, this album is the best yeah. uh, and for what reason, I, I'm not quite sure. And I think that you, you know, you asked me sort of informally earlier, like before we started recording, of course. Yeah. Any critic darlings that you just can't get into? Like you just don't see or hear the magic? Yeah. And I said, yeah, Bonnie Vare. <laughs> I 
Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's a good one. I don't get it. And the last Fiona Apple record that topped every single list. You know, so what I'm thinking is for critics, and then there's probably a population out there that wants an audio experience that challenges and stimulates them and puts them out of their comfort zone and gets them to pay attention. That's not why I listen to music. I listen to music to have fun, to let go, to kind of like I clean to it, I drive to it. It just, I want to groove and dance to it or have an emotional connection, but like, yeah, I don't need something that jars me out of my comfort zone. That's what the news does. There's a sense that when you engage with music, you, you don't want it to feel like homework. You know, yeah. you really need to like, oh, I really need to dissect this. You know, you're reading like some complex book or you're asked to deconstruct or critically appraise a piece of artwork that you really don't know much about. And I, I get that. And I think that when you were talking about the Fiona Apple record, that was a Fetch the Bolt Cutters that came out in 2020. Um, I know that you're not a fan of that that record, but I, I did like one track off that. It was called Heavy Balloon. I thought it was pretty good. So well, there you go. But yeah, <laughs> right. it reminds me, Critical Darling Records remind me when you go to an art installation mm-hmm. and it just looks like crap. Like, okay, it's a square. It's a square that's sitting in a circle and everyone's trying to get the art and not feel left out. And so they're like, oh my God, the minimalist says so much about blah, blah, blah. They come up with all this and it just looks like, okay, it's just a fucking square. But, you know, people are trying to read into it, this greatness. And so, yeah, I'd rather focus on bangers. Yeah. Songs that just really make me rock out. And so the next two that I want to talk about Mm -hmm. are Fletcher's Girl of My Dreams just dropped this last Friday, uh, mid-September for those listening to the podcast later on. And Sabrina Carpenter emails I Can't Send, which has been out since July. These are like the genre of pop. So this yeah. Is so if you like the Rena record, these are also just really, really, really good records. And so Fletcher, like kind of like Haley Kiyoko and Grace Gaustead. And there's a bunch of female singers out there that are very openly queer or very much openly lesbian. Mm-hmm. And it's so nice to hear love songs and pop songs that are not through the male gaze. Cause so many songs are written about, you know, the boy and that kind of stuff. And even right. Sabrina Carpenter, one of her best songs is because I like the boy, you know, so right. there is balance there, but I do love Fletcher has her big hit right now. is called Becky's so hot. And <laughs> it's all about lusting after your ex-girlfriend's new girlfriend. <laughs> and Twist. <laughs> yeah, it is awesome. And so she's been doing the rounds on it. It's it's doing really well on the charts and stuff like that. But yeah, this is a really big breakup album because her former girlfriend is a YouTube star that directed a lot of her videos. And mm-hmm. so it's really kind of fun to see the disgruntled, bitter breakup album through the eyes of, you know, a queer woman. I was just going to say, it's a, it's like a, almost like a queer version of Jesse's Girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, perfect. Yeah. I didn't think about that. That's exactly what it is. And you said yeah. it was called Becky. Becky's so hot. Becky's so hot. Yeah. yeah check okay. it out. That'll be that's one of the most fun tracks you'll hear all <laughs> summer or now fall. But then like on the flip side. So remember last year, the biggest song of the year was Olivia Rodrigo's driver's mm-hmm. license. Yeah, it was everywhere. And it's all about her driving through the neighborhood, remembering all the things that she used to do with her boyfriend, but the boyfriend has moved on with some blonde girl. Well, the blonde girl has got a lot to say about it. And so Sabrina Carpenter, who was an actress also, she wasn't on the Disney show, Mm. High School Musical, the musical, the series, clunky as that is, with Sabrina and the boy. 
but she was rumored to be the new girlfriend. And so then she oh. kind of got dragged into the zeitgeist through the association of, oh, she's the one that stole the man from Olivia Rodrigo. And so her reply track is because I like the boy, but it's centered <laughs> on her fifth album, Emails I Can't Send. And this girl can sing, you know? And so it is possible to love them both. And you know, so I love Olivia Rodrigo's Sour. It's one of the best records so far of this decade. Yeah, it was very good. And Sabrina Carpenter can sing. And man, she puts out sophisticated pop. And so every track on the record was delicious. And it's kind of like this in the Fletcher album has helped to change my thoughts on what's happening in pop right now. Okay. Where before, like when you get rumors by Fleetwood Mac, it was basically a soap opera playing out in real time in the studio. Yeah, yeah. But those songs are very universal. Now, Mm -hmm. Go Your Own Way could be any couple on the rocks could kind of identify with that song. A lot of the Taylor Swift and Ariana Grande and Beyonce records of late have been very specific where people are tuning in to hear, okay, what is Beyonce saying about Jay-Z's rumored cheating? You know, what is Taylor Swift saying about this? I mean, one of the mm-hmm. Ari Grande songs was literally called Pete Davidson. You know? <laughs> and a lot of the lyrics are very specific. Instead of like, oh, you came over to the house. It was good to see you. It's like, so last Sunday, September 22nd, you drove over in your Mazda and we went to the Grove. You know, it's like, it's like almost like a blog entry yeah, set to yeah. music. They're not putting a lot of these records out on physical on CD. A lot of Fletcher's early EPs are only available digitally. You know, I'm like, okay, is this just content that people are not going to remember in 20 years? Think about Taylor Swift, like the 1989 record will still Mm -hmm. be relevant in 25 years. I'm not sure about some of her more recent ones. We'll see. I mean, I've got the new one, the Target special edition of her new Midnight's album on pre-order. So I still buy all the records, but... Mm -hmm. But this has made me change. These girls can really sing. The production is top rate. And so at least me having them on CD, I could imagine if I'm around in 20 years, pulling them off the shelf and really enjoying them again. So we'll see if people still revisit these songs 10, 15 years from now. And then we move on to your next pick. Who would that be? This is actually a good transition because talk about being able to go back to the record shelf and pull something out and kind of reconnect with how you felt when it came out. So placebo never let me go is a new record that I was not planning on buying, but I went to easy street records, my local record store here in Mm -hmm. West Seattle. And it was there in a box set form, you know, and I'm like, Oh, it was 13 bucks. I'm like, why not? You know, I'm going to try a placebo album for the first time in 20 years because they were, you know, came out in 96, more than a quarter century ago. And I was obsessed with placebo in the early or in the, in the mid nineties Wow! because Brian Mullico, you know, I'm gender non-binary. And mm-hmm. so for me, Brian Mullico, the singer was as important a figure to me as Bowie or Prince in terms of gender blending and really defined gender norms where for a while I couldn't tell was Brian a woman that just had some masculine energy or was he a man with feminine energy? And that was the best part of the mystery because the internet wasn't really that big in 96. True. You couldn't get a lot of information. And if you did, you had to wait forever for photos to download. So I only knew about them through their singles. The first two albums were bangers. And then they started getting more and more pretentious after that. And I couldn't Uh. really connect with them anymore. 
But Never Let Me Go, their eighth album, really kind of reconnects me to that early energy. It crackles. I could dance to it. It's got some edge, like where the synths like are razor sharp and really kind of test your speakers and make your sound system sound really good. So hmm. I'm really excited to see kind of how the eighth album, Never Let Me Go, kind of unfurls in the months to come. And now, okay, here's slide. I want to somebody new. I would love to go back in time. Mm-hmm. And talk to 13-year-old me and say, kid you not, Keith, in 20 or 30 years, you're going to be a big Ozzy Osbourne fan. <laughs> because <laughs> back back your 13-year-old Keith was probably really into ABBA, right? Yeah, I was into yeah. ABBA, Laura Branigan, Olivia yeah. Newton-John. And then I was discovering, I went right into, through the kind of the gateway of Duran Duran and Altered Images, who we're going to talk mm-hmm. about soon. Yep. Right. You know, I went into alternative rock. And so Ozzy Osbourne, just the fact that he's from Sabbath and he was on MTV doing the metal thing. And I didn't get into metal until really the end of the 80s. And so to me, this was the antithesis. This is what the popular kids listen to. This is what the kids who beat me up listen to. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I had no desire to ever listen to Ozzy Osbourne. I did like the TV show. I kind of like him. I watched a documentary on his life. Fascinating human being, charming as hell. But I'm like, nope, the music is not for me. And then, you know me, I'm obsessed with Taylor Hawkins and the Foo Fighters. And so when I found out that the late Taylor Hawkins was going to be on the new Ozzy Osbourne record, I was became intrigued. Who would have thought such desperate acts as Black Sabbath, Pearl Jam, the Yardsbirds, <laughs> Guns N' Roses, Foo Fighters, Jane's Addiction, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, the Roots, the Queens of the Stone Age, Metallica, and even a major connection, a producer for Justin Bieber, would all get together and throw a raging party. And that's <laughs> what Patient Number 9 is. It is an amazing record. Have you listened to it yet? I have. I have. Oh my. Um, the way I looked at it is that very good record. And he surrounds himself with enough A-list talent that it would be really surprising if this thing just tanked. These are seasoned performers and artists. They know a good guitar hook or what the tone of something, you know, whether it's a guitar tone or a drum fill or, or even just the overall production. And then the l- level of songwriting and the quality of the songwriting and, you know, where the hooks go in and everything. But Ozzy gave a quote to Apple Music, which I really love. He says, I've been doing this for 54 years. If I don't know what I'm doing now, I shouldn't be doing it. You do a great Ozzy Osbourne. I literally <laughs> felt like he was on the show right now. Nicely well, thank, you, thank you very much. But the so, fact is, yeah, it rocks. And the thing is, especially the first out, the first track, the title track with Jeff Beck, when that thing is blazing out of the speakers, you would swear it was the late 80s. And the mm-hmm. fact that he's 73 putting out a record this good is just beyond belief. I can't remember which guitarist was, which track it was, but there was definitely a guitar tone sound from his solo guitars, the one who died, Randy Rhodes. Yeah. Uh, and Randy had just such a great tone that came out of his guitar, you know, very heavy, but also really melodic. And I could kind of hear that in this record. And I thought, wow, it's really pretty good. Nice nod back to to the early 80s. And, you know, Eric Clapton shows up on here too. So Yeah. And you got Tom, Tony Iommi, Jeff Beck, Zach Wilde. Zach Wilde does most of the heavy lifting mm-hmm, here. Mm-hmm. And then you got Chad Smith, who is drums on most of them. Taylor Hawkins shows up on three. But then you got, you know, Robert Trujillo. I think that's how you say his name from Metallica. You got Duff McKagan, Chris Chaney from Jane's Addiction. Everybody is on this record and it could have been a mess, but it literally sounds like one band. And when you go through the whole record, it sounds like a solid record. 
So much so it inspired me. Amazon US has his entire catalog on sale for four ninety nine each new. Oh, okay. I was going to say, wow, yeah. that's pretty cheap if it's oh, yeah. just for all of it. Yeah. So I bought all the classic mm-hmm. records because I really yeah. want to compare because especially like in the collectors groups that I talk about, either people really love this record or there's a lot of the diehards that hate it and call it a Sharon Osborne record because they think she's the, you know, the master pulling all the strings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I think it really rocks. And I love how Louder Sound gave this review. It says, despite everything you may have heard about Ozzy being on his last legs, patient number nine unequivocally does not sound like the work of a man living on borrowed time. Mm-mm. Instead, it yeah. sounds like the Prince of fucking darkness having an absolutely smashing time with a bunch of his mates and weirdly a new sense of artistic ambition. Very nice. Very I think, nice. It's totally I think that's true. That's, uh, that's very, that's very good. Uh, I got a quick Aussie story. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, this is back in the early eighties. I think the album diary of a madman had come out. So Ozzy was touring on that record. This friend of mine that I grew up with, he went to, to see Ozzy and this was in San Francisco. I don't know if it was at the cow palace or he was in Oakland. I, I can't remember which venue he played, but Ozzy was 45 to 50 minutes late getting to the stage and did such a compressed set. The set was like 45 minutes on stage and he left. Everyone's doing, you know, waiting for the encore and he never came out. The lights went on and people were pissed because it was just like, Oh yeah. Hey man, you were almost an hour late to the performance. And then you only were here for 45 minutes and then you bounced out of the venue. So that was, uh, that was the disappointing Aussie phase, I suppose. Maybe, you know, success with Blizzard of Oz and Diary of a Madman, maybe it was a little overwhelming. Or just, It's amazing yeah. he's still alive. Mm-hmm. You know, it is, yeah. think about him and Keith Richards and Pete Doherty from the Libertines, you know, like some of these people should not be alive. And yet, He's alive and well, and but he's even he's put out some hints that he doesn't have much time left. Yeah, and yeah. so if this is the last record, he's really going out on a high note. But let's hope that he's got another twenty five years in him, even if he doesn't put out records. Yeah, just yeah. enjoy the fruits of his labor and enjoy Sharon and his kids and grandkids and just live a good life because he's a good guy. Let's get on to our next pick of yours. Yeah. Okay, who'd have thunk, and there's two records we're going to talk about in this next little block here, Mm -hmm. that Irish punk just might be the salvo we need to save democracy here in America. Gosh, I hope. And Yeah. (laughs) Because when you figure, you know, the art long goes um, back in terms of like protest songs, in terms of, you know, getting like snapping the populace out of their kind of haze or stupor to get them motivated to either go to war or go to the polls. Right. And so Flogging Molly is back with Anthem, which literally is the best truth in advertising name for a disc I've heard because, oh my God, these are barn burners. They're well into their career and they have all the drive of a, you know, debut album where they have everything to prove and everything to mm-hmm. lose. And so this thing comes blazing out of the gate with these times have got me drinking, tripping up the stairs. That's my <laughs> no. favorite track. I mean, if you want to talk about a, top of the hour cooker, you know, the, the, the oh album that's just like, yes, that's it. This is very, very strong out of the game. Yeah. Right. And a song of Liberty follows that. And it just keeps going with these big, big let's wake up people songs. So I could picture myself in the mosh pit at their shows because they had really good albums right out of the gate. 
way back in the day. And then they kind of lost me, you know, and so now I'm going to go back in and fill in the gaps and buy their previous albums. But if you've been to a Flogging Molly or a Dropkick Murphys or a show by The Frames, you know, that later <clears throat> spawned no. Glenn Hansard. No, I'm They're not. like religious experiences. Really? They just got a lot of energy, huh? Oh, my God. So you got the band playing like almost metal level, you know, punk music, but within fiddles, you know, and mandolins going on at the same time. And they are just so euphoric. You know, the Dropkick Murphys, we're going to talk about in a second. But, you know, Flogging Molly, stem, you know, they have the roots in a metal band. The lead singer was the lead singer of Fastway. Do you remember them? Like a hair metal band from the 80s. Fast way. I don't yeah. remember them. No. So they were on MTV. Their their signature look was the checkered flag from a car race. And uh, so okay. yeah. and so here's this little, you know, pine-sized lead singer of a metal band that then forms an authentic Irish punk band. And then look at the career of flogging Molly has had. Did they only you have know? one album, this album Fastway? Yeah, I think I Fastway think just had the one record. Yeah. yeah. It says and here, I'm, I'm looking up right now. It came out, came out in 1983. Oh, my gosh. So it's yeah. just one that I, yeah, I just did not register with. So me here's what I recommend doing play a Flogging Molly record and uh-huh. then go back and look at the Fastway video from MTV. And you'll be like, oh, my God, that's the same guy. It's is it, amazing. Is the song called We Become One, the video? Is that the name of the song? I by forget. Boy? I have the disc. I, it's one yeah. of those things where I listen to it as an album. I don't listen to it as singles. You know, I got into metal in the tail end of the nineties. Actually, my gateway album was Dr. Feel Good by Motley mm-hmm. Crue that I loved so much that I then started expanding in and it's like really kind of checking out all the hair metal bands. So I, I made a mistake. Fastway had more than just one album. They did oh, they have, did? Yes, okay. Yes, How yes. many did they put out? Uh, let's see. So the first one came out in 83. Then they had all fired up in 84. I uh, took a little break to yeah. 87 trick or treat. It was had an original music score. So I guess they did the, Ooh, uh, yeah, the title soundtrack or something. Soundtrack 1990 was called bad, bad girls. And then, Oh, I, I missed one. Uh, looks like there was one called waiting for the roar in 86. Oh, wow. And it looks like they kind of went into hibernation and there was a 2012 album. Yeah. Eat Dog eat. I tell you, that's a good question. I have no okay. idea. So, but, now um, I want to see, uh, like, so I think the lead singer Dave King. So I would love to know if Dave King is still in contributes to Fastway, yeah. or if they, they someone just has the the name and has continued on. Because why not? Uh, you know, those yeah. guys deserve to work. Sure, let them sure. work. Well, good one, good recommendation. That flogging yeah. mo- flogging Molly one is really good. And and, and and with the bonus of Fastway, you can go back and check out yeah. Fastway, kids. <laughs> and, and it sets the stage for later this month. Dropkick Murphys put out their new album. This machine still kills fascists. So now you might recognize that slogan. That's from Woody Guthrie. He had the sticker on his guitar all those years saying this machine kills fascists. Right. And so we needed his protest song. So the Dropkick Murphys, who have a phenomenally, almost completely flawless discography, they were talking to the Woody Guthrie estate and they found all these lost lyrics that he had written that have never found songs. So the Dropkick uh-huh. Murphys have written songs for these lyrics. And so they're essentially putting out a um, Woody Guthrie record later this month you know, with their kind of music. So that's going to be a great one to listen to. So kind of setting the stage of once again, in this perfect timing as we go into the midterms, wake up people, <laughs> see what's happening and vote. So I think you, you're right about the uh, release date. It looks like it's coming out right at the end of this, of September. Yeah. And so check go, that one out. Yeah. If you go on Apple Music, if you do, if you take it, they, they, they have three songs that you can listen to. Uh, two six upside down, ten times more, and all you phonies. 
Perfect. And they're short. They're short songs too. Uh, the clocking in like you now one is two minutes and eleven seconds, two minutes fifty seconds, and three minutes and thirty seconds. So but even when there's preview tracks out there, I try to listen to the album at once when it comes in. That's the way I like to experience yeah. things. So um, I'm gonna. Yeah, just take that rocket ride at the end of October or sorry, end of September when it comes in. So, and it looks like they they actually feature Woody Guthrie on one track called "Dig Dig a Hole." Oh, cool! Yeah, found so some they, vocals. Yeah. Nice, nice, uh, nice pairing there. Yeah, and so the next one I want to talk about, and then we're going to talk about we're going to throw Madonna into the mix here, talking too, is Altered Images. Mm-hmm. As and I've been previewing this for months because I pre-ordered this record I think in March, you right. know, and so it finally came in, and Mascara Streaks. Their first album since Bite in 1983. Now, most people are going to know them from Happy Birthday, mm-hmm. which was like a big hit in the early 80s. And then Don't Talk to Me About Love, which was a great disco track from 83's Bite. Claire Grogan has the other voice, kind of like Kate Bush, that you either love or hate. It's a very high falsetto, mm-hmm. almost sounds like a cartoon character. But when you put some meaty techno underneath her, you know, some synthesizers, oh my God, it's just to me some of the best alternative pop from the early 80s. I loved Altered Images back in the day. I really did. And, and you're right. Her voice is up there. It's 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 a high register. I didn't know it was the same person who I was watching on MTV is that was in the movie Gregory's Girl at the time. Oh, so she, okay. she had right. a supporting yeah, she actress. Yeah. She, she's an actress. So she, she got, I think that was her first uh, major film that she had done. And my friend Matt and I, we go and we're watching this this movie because it's quirky and it's it's funny. You know, it's a, a Scottish high school kid who's in love with this uh, girl who's an, an athlete, and Claire Grogan plays another girl at the school who actually likes Gregory, and so it's this elaborate ruse to get Gregory to get with Claire Grogan in the end. But Aww. so we 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 come out of the theater and. My friend and I are looking at each other. It's like that one girl that Gregory ended up with. Man, she's she's pretty hot. And then we're watching MTV, and, and my friend Matt says, "Is that the same girl from the from the movie we saw?" And you know, this is in the '80s, yeah, so we didn't yeah, have the totally. internet. So no, we're just no going, IMDb no there. Idea. Yeah, no, I'm no quick uh, quick reference guide or anything. So we're like, she looks the same, but I don't want to say she. I mean, it's weird. It's uncanny. But she had um, black hair in the movie. And I think when she was with Altered Images, she had blonde hair. Yeah. So it's one of those things where I pre-order this thing to get mm-hmm. a bonus EP that I'll also talk about, which is also equally spectacular for different reasons. But I pre-ordered it because I didn't care if this was going to suck. Like, okay, I'm, you know, can't imagine they haven't done any music in 30 years. Right. It's going to be right. some lightweight bedroom pop kind of thing. <laughs> so when I popped it in, when the disc finally arrived and I popped it into my player, it out comes this spectacular high energy modern disco that to me fits right in with the last few records by Kali Minogue, Dua Lipa, and Jesse Ware. I'm like, holy crap. These are all complete bangers. Like yeah, every, yeah. like the production is amazing. I think you even have a clip or a quote you're going to play. So I'm going to let her explain how okay. this came together versus me. Yes, this is uh, taken from a BBC Radio 2 interview with Kenny Bruce. It's just been the most extraordinary development, I guess, in my long road with Altered Images. Um, Obviously, it's not the the same lineup or any of those things. But, you know, I let a lot of artists who got the chance to pause a bit during lockdown. I kept on coming back to this one thing and I thought about all the people that still come to see my shows 
and they've been there for a long time. And I thought the best thank you I could do is really write some new songs. I didn't decide to write an album, though. I just thought, I'm going to write some new songs. And, you know, it started with one song, The Colour of My Dreams, and it just went from there. And I got to work with, well, Stephen Laroni, my husband, and the extraordinary producer, an annoying person that he is. (laughs) In that order. In that order. (laughs) Bucky's all right. Um, <laughs> that's a that's high praise in Glasgow. <laughs> totally, he's all right. Yeah. yeah. So I, you know, I had the advantage of him being home. I mean, he's got restaurants now, so he's he's not really in the business anymore. But we had this opportunity, so we wrote a song, then we wrote another one, and then I live really nearby Bernard Butler, and I love Bernard. I'm a huge admirer of his work. And Bernard got involved, and also my friend um, Robert Hodgins, better known as Bobby Bluebell, he got involved as well. And we just had some fun and then played it to some people. And then I managed to get my first record deal in 38 years. (laughs) (laughs) Some people think I'm rushing it. (laughs) 38 years, but I got my first record deal in 38 years, so that's pretty good. And Joe Stephen, because he's the one that actually, apologies to Gregory... Got the girl. You yeah, know? he so did. Her, he did. Yeah, and he her, was like a replace. He was. He came in later in the band's history of altered images. It was like the the third album or something. Yeah, the last album where they had "Don't Talk to Me About Love" and all that. I think he came in after there, there was a departure of a couple people from from altered images at the time. And right yeah. now, it's just it's just basically her. I mean, that's for the yeah. most part. And Bernard Butler is from Suede. Yeah. He started off in Suede and then left that band and produced basically a who's who in modern music. And then Bobby Bluebell is of the Bluebells. Really good. Sherry Rand has put out a lot of the reissued some of the Bluebells records that mm-hmm. are worth checking out. And I do love the fact is because for years, I do know Claire has been on those 80s package tours. You know, where you just come out, play your three or four hits and get off the stage. A lot of like bands that I would love to see come out with new music are on those tours, like a flock of seagulls, ABC, like stuff like even, you know, bow, bow, wow. The fact that she decided I'm not just going to keep flogging the old hits. I'm actually going to go put out something new and that it's this good is amazing for the people that ordered through the website. She actually put out a five song EP quote unquote, reimagining the old hits. And I'm like, okay, well, this is going to suck. Even though Mascara Streaks now really is good. Well, the old hits are so perfect. Don't mess with them. So I begrudgingly put that in the disc player. And then once again, my jaw completely hit the ground. So imagine doing like a MTV Unplugged, mm-hmm. taking the techno and kind of making it a little bit more acoustic. And her voice is perfect. And you think, I swear like, oh my God, I think these new versions are even better than the originals. Huh. And so okay. I'm pretty sure you can still get that stuff through the through her website. But if not, Mascara Streaks is available on all platforms now. And highly check them out. And so then we kind of in the pre-show, which I think, Ted, our pre-show should be its own separate podcast. Because we <laughs> talk about so many cool things. We do. We're all over the place. But yeah. we, we'll cut out all the personal stuff, though. There you go. Yeah. yeah. But, but we really talk music in the pre-show. We really yeah. get to the good stuff. And so... <laughs> You know, but shows that, okay, she had took 40 years off between albums, but clearly Claire Grogan had something more to say because these albums are that good. Mm -hmm. And so last month, Madonna put out the three disc version of Not Enough Love. 
which I praised on the previous podcast because it's just so good in terms of like a disco mix. Like it's like a DJ curated playlist of all of her radio versions, seven inch versions, usually the stuff that I hate, you know, because like, you know, the, you're, you've kind of like nipped all the good stuff out of it. I, I prefer yeah, her extended dance mixes and I'm like, okay, this might suck, but three discs they're really playable really enjoyable and shows how good madonna was in her day yeah but then we were discussing madonna like you figure music now her big comeback album her last artistically flawless record was 22 years ago i know it's hard to believe it was 2000 when that thing came out because it's still listen to it now there's still a, a kind of a contemporary sound or even more like a progressive sound to it on some of the songs yeah and the thing is i highly recommend for everyone that loves don't tell me which is a flawless single check out her cousin joe henry has the original version of that called stop on one of his records. So imagine like a really moody Americana Tom Waits version of Don't Tell Me by Madonna, which is what the original version was. And it's called Stop. And it's one of those heartbreakingly chilling, beautiful songs you'll ever hear. Okay. And then you can see how Madonna reimagined it for a pop single. But I actually did like the follow-up American Life. But then after that, it's a very steep drop in terms of... (laughs) You know, Madonna still being where her image, her message, and her songs were artistically relevant and game-changing the way Taylor Swift and Beyonce still are now. Yes. And that that's my issue with Madonna's really after 2000. Like I, you, you said you liked American Life, which came out about three years later. But okay, I'm just going to list the, uh, the albums that came out after American Life. It was Confessions. On a dance floor, which you said you kind of liked. Had one good song, the ABBA one. The one that sampled the ABBA, and that was about it. Hard Candy, 2008. MDNA. uh, Her worst album. By far her worst album. Rebel Heart in 2015. And Madame X X in 2019. Okay. Out of all of those, can you name one hit single? That was everywhere on radio, on video, on streaming platforms of whatever, but it made a big cultural impact that said Madonna is still relevant. And I could not find one song off of any of those albums that said, yeah, she's still got it. These are really, really strong pop songs or really pushing the envelope in terms of of production or musical styles. Even when she did like Ray of Light, she kind of went through sort of vocal training to try to train her voice to do something different. You know, it's 1998, but I'm not finding anything. And then she's putting these things out and, and they seem to me more alienating than they are engaging. Yeah, uh, for for me, and and I I look at her in terms of her cultural relevance, and she's still in terms of if if Madonna gets on a talk show or she's on camera or whatever, and, and people are going to tune in to see what she has to say. But yeah, they're not necessarily going and buying her records, and radio and video are not promoting them in such a way that say these are really good songs. And you should buy them and you should listen yeah. to them more. And it's really, you know, I'm, I'm hearing like some really fantastic work here. I'm not hearing it. So. Yeah. Cause she's like, if you watch her, I follow her on Instagram mm-hmm. and it's kind of sad for here. This icon, 
she wears way too much makeup now. She's clearly had a lot of work done on her face. Mm -hmm. She kind of looks like more Pete Burns from Dead or Alive, the late Pete Burns, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, or Donatella Versace than she does classic Madonna, who was one of the most beautiful pop stars ever made. It's strange, you know, because she's always found good people to collaborate with. Yes. There's a bootleg that's out called Animal, which has one or two cast-offs from every single one of her late-era albums. And mm -hmm. she's clearly leaving her best stuff on the cutting room floor. Really? Like, some okay. of the best Madonna songs in history have been not released. Google to your heart's content and you'll come up like Animal. You know, there's a lot of her stuff from when she worked with Mirwais. He was the one what? that worked with her on music, was it? Same yeah. In person? Okay. So right. that really kind of signature synth sound. And so mm -hmm. one of the, the case in point is Gang Bang, which is my, I, I hate that Madonna song more than anything. It's from MDNA. It just, to me, it's so reviling and offensive, but yet the Gang Bang demo that's on Animal is one of one of our most beautiful songs. I'm like, huh. why do they mess it up that much between demo and actually getting it on a record? They just sweetened you know? it too much, huh? too much layers of production. Is that yeah, what it works? Yeah, it's really overthought it. And you could tell she was trying to be more, more provocative. Mm -hmm. Couldn't stand it. So, I mean, I think Madonna still has another good record in her or many more. She's got to stop chasing the car and start leading again. Because I think what yeah. she's trying to do is play catch up, just like Prince throughout the 90s and 2000s was trying to play catch up with culture instead of just doing his own thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's where he suffered. That Madam X record, which I put on, well, last night, I was apparently knee deep in a lot of uh, a lot of music, but I, I was like, I, I had to turn it off because I said, what the hell is she trying to say? It's a bit like that that jockstrap record. Provocative for provocative sense. In a way, yeah. Or just trying to go off the beaten path. There was like, to me, I, and granted, I didn't listen to the entire record because this was the deluxe edition. Yeah. I thought, I do not want to go through this experience. But I didn't hear, okay, I'm going to go back to my radio days, even though I don't work in radio anymore, but I didn't hear any hits, kids. I yeah. didn't hear any hits. So if I list the albums by Madonna, up to music, you would say, yeah, those are great records. And I like this song. And I like that song. And they might not necessarily have been hits, but they were strong. So if you go Madonna, Like a Virgin, True Blue, Like a Prayer, Erotica, Bedtime Stories, Ray of Light, and Music, you could probably find deep tracks on every one of those records that you say, I love this song. It's really good. I'm surprised it didn't become a single. Something like that. Yeah. Know? So, And she's directing, writing and directing her own biopic. I would have loved to have seen a Madonna biopic through someone's eyes like the recent Elvis movie, which mm -hmm. just blew mm -hmm. me away how good that Elvis movie is. I have yet to watch it. I mean, I know that you you recommended and we did talk about the the soundtrack yeah. in, the, in the last episode, which I did really enjoy. My brother did watch the Elvis movie and he said it was, he says, that was really good. You should, you should check that yeah. out. It's on HBO. Check yep. it out. And I know I can easily get keep talking for hours and hours here. But I know we're getting long in the tooth. And I got three yeah, yeah. more I really want to talk about right now before we get off. So what I want to do is a little speed round here. You want to speed through a couple of them because there's one I think we want to we want to give a little more time to. But go ahead. You you take the you take the captain's chair. You're piloting this. Okay, thing. cool. We'll yeah. quickly talk about Haley Reinhardt. You know, mm -hmm. off the ground is her new EP, and she is by far one of the most artistically interesting, diverse, and exciting artists to ever come from American Idol. She was on season ten. 
mm-hmm. you know, the same, you know, season that gave us like James Durbin, who went on to front Quiet Riot. And I think, you know, Scotty is the one that won that year with a really deep country voice. And then Pia Toscano was supposed to want, have won that year. You know, she was kind of like going to be the next big thing. And then she got voted off in the most shocking idol elimination ever. At, I think she got knocked out at number nine. And then oddly enough, quick sidebar, because I go all over the place, but Pia Toscano's <laughs> debut album, you know, 11 years, 12 years later, is coming out in October. But Haley, if you haven't followed her, she was the one that had that kind of raspy Janis Joplin kind of ah, voice. Okay, and they kind of okay. pigeoned her as being the next thing to come out of like the, even though she's from Chicago, she really had that hate Ashbury sound. Okay. She has put out everything from major big pop records mm-hmm. to jazz records. She put out like one of her biggest songs on YouTube is her version of like a 1920s version of Radiohead's Creep with Scott Bradley's Postmodern Jukebox. I did hear that one. I did no, listen to that. Yeah. Spellbinding. Yeah. She did two great songs on the Jeff Goldblum jazz record. She's got a dance floor track with Vice Tone. She consistently plays with Robbie Krieger of The Doors. Wow. You know, you could like you'll you know see like you know, these concerts that have all these kind of ancient creatures from classic rock, and then she's out there fronting them. She does really exciting stuff, but her solo stuff mixes jazz and soul, classic rock and pop. And so off the ground, highly recommended. She's also, you know, becoming a movie star. She was in Robert Rodriguez's We Can Be Heroes, and she's also vocal talent on Netflix's F is for Family. So really cool career from Haley okay. Reinhardt. I all recommend right. it. All right. Okay, let's dive in deep now to Stranger Things, the soundtrack. Season four, yeah. So the weird thing is, I'll kind of preface this. It shows what happens. Like To me, the soundtrack just dropped on CD this week in mid-September. Vinyl doesn't come out till November, and it really shows the production issues that are plaguing the industry, that this thing was not out when Stranger Things season four was at the zeitgeist of yeah, you know but- imagination in the summer amazon us has it for sale this week for nine bucks so i'm like okay so i ordered it yesterday it came today i was listening to it all the way up through getting on the podcast with you they have really knocked it out of the park you know because i'm like okay i already have a lot of these songs do i really need them again but the way the djs and the sequencers have curated this thing we were talking Nora felder is the music supervisor that wins all the grammys right you know really has the good taste so the main reason, a bar none, because hopefully everybody already has "Running Up the Hill" by Kate Bush, which was I'm sure uh, you they know, do. <laughs> was the if they don't, if they don't, what's wrong with you? Yeah, buy <laughs> "Hounds of Love." You don't want to yeah, buy this yeah. record for that. But they kind of threw it in at the very end of the season. That really otherworldly mix of separate ways by journey mm-hmm. that just everyone's like what the hell is that it was so good that so was also on the teaser trailer they they had that one on the teaser trailer they used it okay um, cool yeah. yeah i didn't know see the, the teasers i tried to like la 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 before yeah. a show <laughs> yeah. comes out because i don't want to <laughs> hit spoilers but so that bookends the album they put the original mix or the the short version on track one, and then all the way down to track 22, they put the extended mix. For me, I love the fact that they put Extremes Play With Me on this, mm-hmm. even though Extremes Play With Me didn't come out till 89. So technically, it was not in existence at the time Stranger Things season four was set. If you only know Extreme from More Than Words, or maybe Van Halen 3 with Gary Sharon, yeah. the first record they put out, the self-titled record, is just sinister. 
you know, because he has this kind of like classical music, heavy metal guitar, like Yngwie Malmsteen does and Joe Satriani, like Nuno Betancourt is one of the greatest guitarists ever to live. And from album number two on extreme really sunk itself trying to be like the next queen. Like, you know, their albums are very complex themed albums, concept albums. The first album, especially the guitar solo on Play With Me, which is on the Stranger Things soundtrack, is just blistering and just makes me ridiculously happy. It is sequences right into Detroit Rock City from Kiss. <laughs> then it goes into the cramps of all things. You know, I was a teenage werewolf. And you would think you got this kind of like the energy is up, the perfect time, this ram in master of puppets from Metallica, which is on the album. But nope, they go right into like crank the gears past the duchy by musical yeah. youth. <laughs> Pass the duchy on the left hand side. <laughs> and you would think that that would be a party killer, but it totally works. Yeah. And the sequencing, because even like the beginning goes separate ways in the California Dreamin' by the Beach yeah. Boys. That was, that's the, a weird one. Yeah, yeah, the studio version of Psycho Killer from the mm-hmm. Talking Heads. And then you get Kate Bush. Right. And then you go into Dead or Alive. Dead or Alive. <laughs> It's all over the map, but it completely works. And yeah, I just yeah. highly recommend the Stranger Force Things soundtrack and get it on, get it on CD. Don't wait till November because I think every time you have to flip the vinyl, you're losing the momentum. And the nice thing is the CD, you put it in, you forget it. It's not going to have snap, crackle, and pop. And it's just going to be a perfect player for more than an hour. It's got Rock Me Amadeus. Yep. <laughs> Baltimore, Tarzan boy. Man, I haven't heard that one. Oh my God. And Rock and Roll yeah. Hoochie Coo by Rick yeah. Derringer. And then boom, you go into James Taylor. And then James <laughs> Taylor right into Susie and the Banshees. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of really good stuff on here. They really had some fun with it because, yeah, it shows also how diverse the decade was. Pitchfork just did their best 200 albums mm-hmm. of the decade. And I really do. I think Pitchfork tends to be pretty pretentious, but I do love the diversity they had in that list. It was a fascinating read. I think I spent almost an hour and a half reading it last night. And so highly recommend their Pitchfork Top 200, even though you might not agree. They had a lot of great things to say. And yeah, that 80s was a lot more diverse than what we kind of think about 30 years later. You know, you kind of like... When it gets curated for the... Culture Club hit or Cindy yeah. Lauper or, you know, whatever you're going to put into that mix, you're going to get the usual stuff, but you're right. The eighties were a much more diverse decade than people give it credit for. So yeah, so highly recommend that. And then that kind of sets up the last one I want to talk about today. And this is one yeah. I'm really, really, really excited about. Band name, you got to hand it to a band with a great name. Librarians with Hickeys. <laughs> I absolutely was like, so the thing is, it gets my attention. You know? It does. Yeah. Well, it makes a statement, right? Yeah. So Hand Claps and Tambourines is their second album. I'm from Ohio. They're from Akron. A lot of great bands have come out of Akron. Went to Kent State University in Akron. Right. Great bands like the Black Keys come out of there. But this you, you is kinda, one of those. You kind of have to lump the Pretenders in there because, you know, Chrissy yeah. Hind, she went to Kent State too. Pretenders, Nine yeah. Inch Nails, yeah. the James Gang, like everybody, you know. So yeah. I was very proud to grow up in Cleveland. And so, but this is interesting because this, they come out, you know, the whole reason I discovered this band is they're on Big Stir Records. And so Big Stir, much like Yep Rock, even Factory and Sire and Rancid's Hellcat Records are one of those labels where I buy the label because. It's run by Christina 
Ulbenko and Rex Broom from the Armors, which is kind of like a Los Angeles-based power pop band. They have basically, their record label is as much a scene as it is power pop scene, kind of like taking like the great power pop records of the 70s and kind of reimagining it as an international scene. So it started off, they were promoting a lot of the Los Angeles-based bands, but now their bands come in from every far left field country imaginable. Mm-hmm. And when an album is on their label, you're like, okay, I know what I'm going to get. Harmonies, hand claps, signature hooks, and earworm hooks. Coming in as, as, as much as, you know, the, the Kinks and the Who from the 60s and the Haight-Ashbury mm-hmm. scene as it is the indie rock scene from England in the mid-80s. So Cherry Red Records puts out a lot of great compilations of indie guitar rock from Britain from the 80s. The bands that they promote kind of all fit into that. And that's where I especially love this band. They described it as this album, Hand Claps and Tambourines, is kind of like going to musical book club. You're going to hear <laughs> so many influences swir- swirling about. You'll have no idea if this was recorded in San Francisco in 1968 or Manchester, England in 1985. Really? You know? Okay. And it's just one of those things where it sounds great. And the recording style, because it's not a very modern recording style. So you're like, yeah, this could have been recorded anywhere, but yet... It also sounds completely of the moment now. And so like every single song I just got sucked into and it, it comes out mid-October. So definitely wait for it and check out other bands on Big Stir in the meantime, because there's just so many good ones. Another great one from Ohio to add to that list we were just talking about. <laughs> Librarians with Hickeys. What a great name. Oh my God. So before we uh, wrap up, we must talk about Michelle Branch for a moment. Oh, she yes. just released a, a new record. As of this recording, I think it just may have come out a couple days ago, but it's called The Trouble with Fever. And this follows up her Hopeless Romantic album that came out in 2017. Now, if you've been following the gossipy People magazine uh, world, you know that she and her husband, Patrick Carney, who's the drummer for the Black Keys, they had broken up and filed for divorce over, uh, I guess, cheating. Uh, he was seeing some other, he was stepping out on his wife. Let's just put it that way. They have since decided they were going to try to reconcile and, and give it a go. But that news has overshadowed the fact that she was trying to crank up the promotion machine with a with a new record that she's that she just uh, released, which actually I'm looking at the date now. It came out on September 16th. The Trouble with Fever is much more, it's more, it's more guitar based and more of a less processed sound than her other record, the the one prior. And it's, it's okay. I, I just started listening to it last night, so I don't have much of an opinion of it yet, but if you are looking for Michelle Branch from circa 2001, 2002 with like the spirit room or hotel paper, you're not going to find it here. And this is kind of like what we were talking about with Madonna as um, an artist who hits big out of the gate uh, later, their later career albums sometimes can be absolute delights and surprises see Claire Grogan with altered images. And then sometimes you get things that just leave you scratching your head. See Madonna with Michelle Branch. I think we're kind of in a middle ground. She's trying to really carve out a, not a, not a pop career. And I think she's kind of going back to uh, more of a rock based. It doesn't have to have huge hits, but 
this seems to be what is, uh, you know, her muse is calling her and, and this is the stuff that she's creating. And she did her husband, I, I can't say ex-husband, but <laughs> she's reconciled with Patrick Carney. He yeah. produced the record. The one thing I can say about it is that for the most part, it doesn't sound like a Black Keys record. Unlike the, the one previous, the, the previous okay. one to me sounded like a Black Keys record, except for the song, I'm a Man. That sounds a little Black Keys-ish. So. Well, clearly Patrick probably wrote that one then. Probably. I don't know. Let's see what the who the writers are on all these. Um, all tracks co-produced by Michelle Branch and Patrick Carney, except okay. where indicated. And I'm not seeing where they, they're listening, who wrote what songs. But anyway, that's my that's my thing with Michelle Branch. I never really got that into Michelle Branch or mm-hmm. Avril Lavigne, but you know, I hear good things about the last Avril Lavigne record. So mm-hmm. yeah. You know, it's one of those things where I'm just glad she's still doing it and she probably has her loyal audience out there. And so hopefully like the loyal audience finds something they could, you know, and the nice thing about streaming is you don't have to commit to buying the record until you really see if it kind of connects with you. So, yeah, yeah. Got and I think that's, that's kind of the theme of this podcast that streaming's yeah. okay. It's a great way to sample things and live with them for a little while before committing to purchasing yeah. the actual physical product. So, And so I kind of want to set up what we'll talk about in the next broadcast because there's a lot of other ones that we couldn't get to now that I highly encourage people checking out. Then maybe we could all have a talk next month about it. Okay. Ringo Starr just put out a new record. You okay. know? So he has a new EP. Ringo. Yeah. So does Death Cab for Cutie, mm-hmm. The House of Love, The London Suede. London Suede is going to be touring with Suede. Right. They just have to call him that over here. It's touring the Manic Street Preachers. So that editors, Buzzcocks, Billy Idol all have new records coming yeah. out. I follow Billy Idol, or at least Planet LP follows Billy Idol on Instagram. So I see a lot of his videos. Yeah. He's touring right now and he's packing it in. I've got to say, yeah. he takes a video of the, the audience and there's a lot of people that's showing up to his concerts. So great yeah. for him. And at the end of the month, you know, before we get on again, the new Yeah, Yeah, Yes record is going to come out. And then here's one that really surprised me, but I'm so glad Stephen Page has his sixth solo record coming out. He's the ex Bare Naked Ladies lead singer that split with the band. And when you look at since that split, Stephen Page has consistently put out the most amazing records compared That's to his true. old band. Yeah. In terms of having edge and wit and humor and melody. And so I'm excited to see where he's going with the new one. Blancmange, you know, one of my 80s favorite darlings that's now a modern kind of minimalist techno act mm-hmm. has a new record. And then Sammy Hagar is with Michael Anthony, reunion of the Van Hagar era, and Jason Bonham. And the Pixies have like a new record one. coming out. Yeah. Okay. So lots to talk about next time. October is going to be even bigger because you got new records by The Cult, The Red Hot Chili Peppers, The Lightning Seeds, The 1975, and Aha. Wait a minute. How about Arctic Monkeys, Simple Minds, Taylor Swift? Orianthi, Tuvalu, and then guess what? Even Betty Boo has a new record out. Don't think that this year is over. This year is just getting going. So much great new music to happen. It seems like a boatload's coming out. That's uh, well, we've got we've got a lot to talk about next time. And I just want to thank you for this time for being back on the pod. Always great to be on with you. It's a B A double L, as they say. Keith, so thanks a lot and great recommendations. And you're back next month, right? Right. You got it. Yep. Always a pleasure. Yep. I'll be listening and can't wait to talk about it. All right. And thank you for taking the time to listen. I'll be back soon. Dropping the needle on a world of albums. Take care.